Today on Blue 58, the Packers could use some help at both linebacker and running back, but they're not likely to spend a high pick on either one. Even if that's true, talking about what they might be looking for is a great exercise. So how do you find a good linebacker or running back anyway? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Double position groups in this one. That's for a couple reasons. First, there's a lot of overlap between linebacker and running back, not on the football field specifically, but in the sort of players that you're looking for. If you look at the body types between a lot of running backs and a lot of linebackers, there are some very broad similarities. In fact, a lot of great linebackers are just running backs who at some point along the way switched over to defense and just never looked back and have made a lot of money and tend to have longer careers as a result. You're basically looking for a guy somewhere between 5'11 and 6'2", 220 to 240, and pretty fast. That's painting with a broad brush, but there is a lot to that. A relatively thick athletic guy is what you're looking for. Of course, there's more to it than that, but that's where we run into a little bit of trouble because identifying the people that might be candidates to be good linebackers is pretty easy. But identifying the actual good linebackers and running backs is kind of hard. I like analogies. Long-time listeners, long-time listeners of the show will, will notice that I like analogies. I will come up with analogies to try to explain things to myself. And I think looking at linebacker and looking at, at, uh, at running back and trying to find good ones is a little bit like playing guitar. I've played around with the guitar for a little bit. I think anybody who's a little bit musically inclined probably has. And the thing about guitar is that it's, at its core, pretty simple. If you know three or four chords... You can, pretty, you can be a pretty darn good guitar player in short order, or at least you can sound like one. The basics are pretty simple. Going from a person who can sound competent with three or four chords to lead guitarist in a rock band, or whatever your definition of being a great guitarist is, maybe you're into classical guitar. That's pretty cool, too. Whatever your definition of great guitar is, there's a big difference between having those basic tools down and being a virtuoso. I think the same is is basically true at linebacker and running back. The basic tools are pretty simple. Like I said, thickish athletic dude, fast, instinctual. The basic tools are pretty much the same at both positions. But both at, at running back and at linebacker, the things that take you from basically competent linebacker to virtuoso performer are a little bit nebulous. And I haven't really discovered a way to get past that sort of threshold. You can look at grades and things like that. It really doesn't do it for me at these positions. So I've, I've done just how we've done it with the other positions so far. I've identified a couple of things that are going to get us a workable pool of people to talk about. And then we'll go from there. So let's start with linebacker. Inside linebacker specifically, because we already talked about edge rushers and the Packers are still going to be a 3-4 base. So you need some inside off-the-ball linebackers. What are we looking for here? We're looking for athletes, sure. But I want a little bit more than that. 
I want some athletes who can move mass. You need some muscle at linebacker. You need some muscle at running back. So we want guys who can move mass. And I want athletes who are making plays on the ball. Where does that lead us? Well, here's our rubric. Three points here. Relative athletic score. That's where we start with a lot of these. That's where we're going with linebacker here too. You want good athletes, so we're looking at people who have a relative athletic score of eight or higher. We want ball hawks again. Plays on the football. Sacks, interceptions, passes defensed, and fumbles forced. For the guys in this class, I want ball hawks of 15 or more over their college career. We're returning to speed score for this one. We're not going height-adjusted speed score, but we're just going pure speed score. That's going to help us identify guys who are a little bit more thickly built, and I think that gives you some advantages at linebacker. So we want a speed score above 100. How are you moving your mass? So that gives us three tiers, too. Tier one is going to be guys who hit all three, and we actually have a few of those. Tier two is going to be guys that have the relative athletic score, kind of baseline, and ball hawks. Um, I, I like the overall athleticism versus just the speed because uh, speed score is just straight line speed. Uh, so if we're just going one of the two, uh, I want the, the just the overall athleticism. And then tier three is just going to be guys who are just straight up athletes. Relative athletic score and speed score. We're taking the ball hawks out of there. These are going to be your late round special teamer prospects, but they're good to have in the back of your mind too because maybe you can take that raw talent and mold it into something. So our tier one guys, the guys who meet all three of our criteria. We start with Micah Parsons out of Penn State, six foot three, 245 pounds, relative athletic score of 9.59, 17 and a half ball hawks in his career, a speed score of 135.6. Absolutely bananas. One of the highest I've seen at any position. Absolutely insane. What's to like about Micah Parsons? Well, you like freak athletes. He's a freak athlete. You like guys that can make plays on the ball. He can do that. What's not to like? Maybe he's a little bit raw. Sometimes you wonder with about that uh, about that kind of thing with guys who are truly freak athletes. And Parsons definitely falls into that category. Is he an athlete or is he a football player? That comes up a lot as a coach speak sort of truism, but I think it's a, a good sort of guideline. It, You know, not all athletes are good football players. A lot of good football players are good athletes, but just being a super duper athlete does not make you a great football player. But the experts think he is going to be a great football player. Dane Brugler says he projects as one of the best talents in the draft. Pro Football Focus echoes those remarks. Quote, Parsons is the best linebacker prospect we've scouted in seven years of grading college. He can play in any scheme. End quote. That is pretty high praise from the Grademeisters over at Pro Football Focus. Next up is Pete Warner, Ohio State prospect, 6'3", 242. Relative athletic score in the 9'5", range, 21 ball hawks, a speed score of 106.2. I like that he's a long-term contributor at Ohio State. He got on the field early and he never really left. Pretty consistent, too, once he got to the field. Scouts say there are some disciplines, discipline issues, not like character-related discipline issues. I'm talking like getting caught peeking in the backfield, being a little bit slow on read sometimes, making some sloppy mistakes. You can live with that with a 9-5 relative athletic score. Pro Football Focus says he's got the ideal body for the position that can hold up between the tackles with ease. While Werner possesses no singular elite trait, his biggest selling point is that he can execute pretty much any role without being a liability. That, to me, sounds like something the Packers could use. They've got some prospects at inside linebacker right now, Chris Barnes 
and Kamal Martin are both both have their selling points. Neither of them are as good an athlete as Warner is, and neither of them are as assignmenture as Warner seems to be. Uh, Martin in particular seems to be a guesser more than a reader at this point, uh, to his detriment at times. Boy, he hits hard when he gets there, though. Uh, they The Packers could really use an assignment-sure sort of guy. And if they could get a guy who blends that sort of assignment-sure nature, that solid but unspectacular sort of play that a guy like Warner gets you, maybe you're getting just a plus version of Blake Martinez at that point. But Blake Martinez did a lot of good things for the Packers for a long time. If there was anything that was true about Martinez, he was going to be in the right place at the right time. Not an overwhelming athlete, didn't make a ton of plays on the ball, uh, but Werner, if at, if he can at least be in the right place at the right time and bring a little bit of athleticism to the middle of the Packers' defense, that's an upgrade. And if you're looking at a day two, day three pick, maybe that's the sort of prospect you're into. Zaven Collins out of Akron is the next prospect. And of the inside linebackers, he might be the one that intrigues me the most. Not because I think he's going to be the, the best, just because there's nobody else really like him. To wit, six foot four, 260 pounds. That's awful big for an off-the-ball linebacker, and I think that plays into his evaluation here a little bit in that some people don't really know what to do with him. I think that is fair. He has a relative athletic score of 873, but 23 and a half ball hawks, and I know my first instinct there is, well, he probably just had a bunch of sacks. He probably moved him around and played him on the edge a little bit, and to be sure, there is some of that, but he also makes a bunch of plays on the ball in the passing game, too. Speed score of 110, which is what you'd expect from a guy who runs pretty fast, weighing 260. There's a lot going on here. What do you like? Well, that athletic, that big, hard to dislike that. And he's making plays on the ball, and he's doing it in the passing game. Sounds like a pretty good prospect to me. But you wonder if he is just an edge playing off the ball. Or... What is he, period? I know some people are going to see 6'4", 260, some coaches in the NFL even, and say, hey, if we could get him to, let's say, 280, we've got a defensive end. We've got maybe a real small three-technique sort of guy. Maybe we've got an Ed Oliver from a couple years ago. Sure, he's a, he's a great athlete, but, but what do you make him into? You kind of get the impression that he may not be a finished product as good as he is and as productive as he's been in college. Even Dane Brugler kind of says, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where he is. He's got scheme versatility to be a starting outside linebacker in a 3-4 or an inside-outside backer in a 4-3. That sounds like a compliment, but I'm not entirely sure that it is. I would rather have a guy where you know exactly what he is at this point and you kind of run the risk of, of making somebody out to be more than they might be if they've got all these physical physical tools. You start thinking of them like they're this unique unicorn, and suddenly you're in year three, and you haven't really figured out what you've got yet. He does some nice things on blitzes, and, well, did we burn a first-round pick on a guy where we don't really know how to use him because he's good at a lot of things but not great at anything? I don't know, kind of thinking through this out loud. But that's what's so intriguing to me about Zayvon Collins. What do you do with him? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Uh, but he's, he certainly is an interesting prospect. There aren't anybody else, aren't, aren't any other linebackers like him in this draft or really not, they don't come along that often, period. Next up is Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. 6'2", 225, so a little bit on the smaller side for a linebacker, but good athlete, 8'4'7". Relative athletic score and 21.5 ball hawks, not too bad. 101.3 speed score. 
Smart guy, former quarterback, uh, played linebacker voluntarily for the Tar Heels due to a team need and uh, has existing experience as an inside linebacker in a 3-4. It's a lot to like there. Don't like that he's a little bit on the small side. 6'2", 225 is a safety, basically. And he is pretty raw. He's only been at linebacker for two seasons. Uh, went all the way through high school after his freshman year and through his first two years at UNC without playing linebacker at all. Was a quarterback for the balance of that time. Now he's back on the defensive side of the ball and looking to make a go of it in the NFL. Pro Football Focus points out that he is a little bit raw. Quote, he's still not the most adept at his run reads and fits between the tackles, but he's a playmaker with modern linebacker athleticism. So that's your tier one, guys. You've got Micah Parsons, you've got Pete Werner, you've got Zayvon Collins, you've got Chaz Surratt, all of those guys, and they're going to go at all levels of the draft, uh, hit the top three metrics that we are looking for. I want to pause for a second right here and take a second to direct your attention towards our Patreon page. Primary benefit right now that I want to talk about via Patreon is being on our Discord server. We've had a lot of fun discussions over the last couple of days, ranging on all kinds of subjects. We have talked Packers history. We have talked the NFL in general. We've talked a lot of NFL draft. We've checked in with listeners from all over the world, including a bunch of Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden, Denmark. We're over in Eastern Europe with listeners in Serbia. We've got listeners checking in from Australia, from England, from Ireland. It's a regular old United Nations up in there. So if you would like to hang out with other Packers fans, the best way you can get access to our Discord server is by becoming a Patreon supporter. $1 a month is the minimum, though you can contribute any amount that you like up to our ultra-premium Jeff Bezos monthly tier. Uh, would love it. If anybody would chip in at that level, that would be hilarious, and I would feel super guilty, but it would also also be super fun if anybody was chipping in like $80,000 a month. Uh, please don't do that. I would feel super terrible. Um, but you can join our Patreon support at whatever level you choose, and one of the benefits you get, among others, is uh, access to our Discord server. So check that out, and you can join the fine people uh, who hang out there on a regular basis. All right, Tier 2 linebackers. These are the guys that met our criteria at relative athletic score and ball hawks, starting with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. So we just talked about Zaven Collins being pretty unique. Uh, Jeremiah, or they call him Wu, I guess, uh, is unique in a very, very different way. 6-1-2-15, relative athletic score of 8-7-1, and 17 ball hawks for his career as a Golden Domer. He didn't run at his pro day, so we do not have a speed score. That is why we do not have him any higher than this. But uh, there is a lot to like here. I already I like that he has already played the hybrid linebacker safety type role at Notre Dame. That was his primary responsibility there. I don't like that he's a little bit light for a linebacker. That is going to limit his usability in the NFL. Unless you're using him more like a safety than a linebacker, being 215 pounds is going to be a problem. But there are a lot of people who really like his versatility. PFF practically glows in their description. Calling him a linebacker might be doing him a disservice, they write. He is the new breed at the position that transcends positional designation. I don't quite know what to make of that. Um, Every time you talk about a new breed or a guy who's going to revolutionize everything in the NFL... 
a year or two years down the road or three years down the road, it kind of just looks like that guy ends up being the only one and everyone else pretty much tends to do the same sort of thing that they've always been doing. And I think that's because there's a lot more guys that are in that six foot two, six foot three range and not quite as versatile as our friend here out of Notre Dame, as there are who can do the safety high ba- high linebacker hybrid thing, who can go out and cover a slot receiver like a cornerback. There's just not that many of those guys. It's great to call him the new breed of the position, but how many of them are there really in that breed? You can be a new breed, sure, but if there's only one of you, it's going to be awful hard to reproduce that breed, isn't it? Maybe that's old man yelling at cloud, but I I am skeptical of reinventing an entire position based on how one guy plays at, in college. Garrett Wallows up next at TCU. 6'2", 213 relative athletic score, 16 and a half ball hawks. Just makes her cutoff with a speed score of 98.38. He's got some athleticism with some heft. Not elite speed, but pretty darn good at 240. He is just okay as far as plays on the ball, and he's a little bit on the short side. Reminds me a little bit of Ty Summers, but not even quite as athletic. Dane Brugler likes his speed and toughness. Uh, He's going to be an immediate fit on special teams. So if you're looking at a day three prospect who's maybe more of a spot player on defense, I think Mr. Wallow is your guy. We are now to Tier 3, a pretty short list of linebackers, but that's okay. It's a, it's a pretty short list of players who can actually contribute at that position in the NFL. Tier 3 linebackers are just your high-test guys, just who, guys who hit on athleticism and speed score. Baron Browning is the first one up. Ohio State product, 6'3", 240, a relative athletic score of 998. 11 ball hawks in his time in Columbus, and a speed score of 111, 111, a picket fence, 111. You like his testing for days, and Barron is a, a great name. Barron Browning, love the alliteration, elite name there for this linebacker prospect, but he's pretty much only testing. Experts call out his apparent inability to play with anticipation, but he is physically impressive, and you do love the physically impressive guys. You can find a spot for him, even if it is only on special teams. Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, another high test guy. 6'4", 234, 993 relative athletic score, speed score of 116, just 14 ball hawks though. I like his length coupled with some athleticism. We don't talk about length a lot at the off the ball linebacker spot, but I think you'd rather have it than not. Guys who are tall can be a little less laterally quick, but he's not overly tall. 6'4 is not like a skyscraper at inside linebacker. Um, and I think if you're looking at guys who can contribute in coverage, that's not a terrible thing to have. A little bit of extra length. I don't like that he's really only had one year of real playing time. And even at a SEC school, nominally like Kentucky, yeah, uh, that counts for something. If he couldn't get on the field before last year, Why? Why? I think that's a fair question. That's it for linebackers. We've got two in Tier 3, Baron Browning and Jamin Davis. We've got another two in Tier 2 in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromara and Garrett Wallow. And then four in Tier 1, Micah Parsons out of Penn State, Pete Warner out of Ohio State, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina, and Zaven Collins out of Akron. It's a pretty 
diverse cast of characters here. I think the Packers can find something that I like here. It is going to remain a question whether they actually want to spend a draft pick on this early. I will remain skeptical of that until I see it. And I think given their needs and the relative value of linebacker compared to, say, cornerback or offensive line, even defensive line, I'd have a hard time spending a day one pick on this or even a second round pick. What about running backs? I don't think it's all that dissimilar from linebackers. We want athletes and we want productivity to a point. So what kind of athletes and what kind of productivity? I didn't even bother looking at the entire class, I will admit. I looked specifically at running backs with a relative athletic score of 7.5 or more. That limits the field a bit, sure, but it also fits with the Packers' overall tendency and especially fits with their tendencies at running back. They've actually gone out of their way to add quite a few running backs during Brian Gutekunst's tenure, both in the draft and elsewhere, and the vast, vast majority of them are elite athletes. Jamal Williams is really the only one of note who does not have a relative athletic score of eight or higher. He was in the mid-fives, but there's a lot of other things from Jamal Williams' game that kind of makes up for that. And I think it's possible that he would just had a bad pe- testing day because there there is a quite a bit of juice, as we saw, I think, in 2020 in Jamal Williams' game. We're also looking at speed score. We want mass movers. I don't want willowy track stars in my offensive backfield. I want guys that have a little bit of heft to them. Uh, touchdowns per game, oddly, there is a little bit of this in, in some corners of the analytic community that suggests that Just how many touchdowns you average per game in college projects pretty well who's going to be good in the NFL. So we're looking at guys who averaged a three-quarters of a touchdown or more per game in college. And also, I'm trying to find guys who got involved in the passing game. So receptions per game, I want one or more on average. I want guys who can be active in the passing game. So out of that pool of guys who test above 7.5 in relative athletic score, I'm looking at speed score, touchdowns per game, and receptions per game. Tier 1 is guys who hit all three. It's a pretty short list. Starting with Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. Go Ragin' Cajuns. 5'11", 218. So pretty hefty guy even if he's not all that tall. 112 was his speed score. Average just over one touchdown per game, 46 touchdowns in 41 college games, and 1.17 catches per game. Does a little bit of everything, pretty thickly built, even if he's only 218 pounds. I don't like his injury history, though, so that's a pretty big red flag, even for a Tier 1 player. He has had two surgeries on a foot already, dealing with a Liz Frank fracture, which is not good news, because, well, those things tend to linger long term. Dane Brugler likes him as a as a day three pick, maybe even a priority free agent, but those can be valuable at running back. Says he's an upfront angular runner and lacks some creativity. Doesn't bother me one bit if he can fit into the zone scheme if he runs upright or isn't all that creative. Just trust the scheme and those blockers up front are going to get you there. Entire opposite end of the spectrum here in in, in terms of fanfare is uh, Travis Etienne out of Clemson. 5'10", 215, a speed score of 109 even. He averaged a spectacular 1.41 touchdowns per game in college, 78 total touchdowns in his career. Not too bad. 1.85 receptions per game. In fact, he is pretty great as a receiver. 85 catches over the past two years. Insanely productive, even a wildly talented offense. He can do it all. 
Uh, he's the most well-rounded back right up there at the, at the top with, with some of the, the, I forget the, is it Najee Harris or out of uh, Alabama? We don't have testing numbers on, so he didn't meet our rubric here, but he's obviously up there as well. But he, he's got it all as much as anybody in this class. What not to like, if you're the sort of person who worries about how much wear and tear a running back has in college, he's going to scare you. He's played 55 college games. That's a lot. Uh, I am not one of those people. Did a, a short study on this. Was going to turn it into a big, long thing about how guys like A.J. Dillon in particular, who had a lot of wear and tear in college, don't have long uh, NFL careers. Really, it doesn't seem to track. It it doesn't seem to matter how much wear and tear you've had in college. It it doesn't take that much away from your college career. So I wouldn't worry about that with Etienne all that much. Uh, what what are you going to say about him? He's He's fast. He's polished. You can do it all. Um, you're either going to get him and you're going to like him or you're not and you're not. So that that's basically all there is to him. Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State rounds out our tier one of backs. 5'10", 210, speed score of 102. Average just over one touchdown per game, 36 in 33 college games, and 1.6 catches per game. He is almost in, as involved in Oklahoma State's passing game as Etienne was in Clemson's. Not quite as big, but that's fine. He meets meets our threshold, moves his mass just fine. But he doesn't move it towards explosive plays. More of a grinder than the home run hitter that Etienne was. Only one run of 30 or more yards in 2020. And already some lingering issues with injuries there too. That is the bigger flag than guys who have just a a high number of touches in college. If you've already been starting to get injured in college as a running back, that is a pretty big red flag. This too would be more of a rotational pick for the Packers. Um, Although there are some guys that I'd like a little bit more here in tier two, if we're looking for uh, some rotational depth. So let's get on to tier two, starting with Deion Jackson out of Duke. These are guys that just hit our speed score and receptions uh, thresholds. They did not have the um, touchdowns per game. Um, that doesn't bother me. I just put those guys a little bit higher because of the the broader analytic support, and that does tend to grab you the, the higher-end guys too. So Deion Jackson out of Duke um, is the first in Tier 2 here. 5'11", 218, speed score of 114. Averaged 1.4 receptions per game, or 1.38 technically, uh, and exactly half a touchdown per game. I like that he's got a little bit of return value. He has some experience as a kick and punt returner in college. He's a great receiver. He does not have great ball security. 14 fumbles in three years. That is a big yikes there. Guys who fumble the ball in college do not tend to get a whole lot better in the NFL where everybody is bigger and faster. However, I like the overall package here. Um, he is probably going to be an undrafted free agent sort of sort of guy, but if you end up getting him as an undrafted free agent, you're getting a guy who can do well in the passing game, uh, who has some return value. And heck, uh, if he's fast enough, uh, stick him in that, you know, Tyler Irvin, Tavon Austin slot gadget type role and see how he does. You can keep him from taking big hits that might lead to fumbles in that sort of situation. Garrett Dokes out of Cincinnati is next up. Bigger running back, 5'11", 228, 103.6 speed score. 
He averaged 1.2 receptions per game, but just half a touchdown per game, 0.6. You want a Jamal Williams replacement, this might be it. Bit of a thicker body, good but not great athlete, but consistent hands. He, too, has some injury issues. Six games missed due to injury over the past two years. Missed all of 2018 with a sports hernia injury. But listen to what Dane Brugler says about him and tell me if you don't see a little bit of Packers appeal here. He says, overall, Dokes isn't the most creative runner, but he is a pro-ready back with his body type, contact balance, and pass blocking skills. That sounds a little bit like Jamal Williams. Look, there's a lot to like about Jamal Williams' game, but I think he even say he would even he would say that he was not the most creative creative runner. In the backfield, between him and Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones is the dancer. Jamal Williams was the get north and south type. If Dokes can come in and be the get north and south type, have a little bit of um, ability in the passing game, uh, have a little bit of uh, pass blocking, there's a role there. And I think he might be the sort of guy who could fill it. The other guy that I think might be a real good fit if you're looking for a day three pick for the Packers is Chris Evans out of Michigan. 5'11", 211, uh, 101.1 speed score, just 0.4 touchdowns per game. And that might just be because Michigan does not score a lot in the way of touchdowns. I have a lot of Michigan fans in my personal life. And so I see a lot of Michigan football. And I hear from a lot of sad Michigan fans in my life because Michigan... It, it, it hasn't been great up there in Ann Arbor the last couple of years. It's still a lot of fun to go to games and watch them, and uh, the big house is, is fun and all that, but it, it, the results have not been super exciting. Evans, though, averaged just over one reception per game, 1.17, but there are some question marks here, too. Talking positive first, you love his work at the passing game. Even if he's not an overwhelming athlete, even if he is more like towards the sevens than the than the eights or nines like some of these guys – if he's getting out in space, I think that elite athleticism or less than elite athleticism, I should say, sort of disappears a little bit because working in space uh, makes it easier to maximize the athleticism that you do have. I wonder why he wasn't more involved at Michigan. Basically kind of disappeared after having some academic issues midway through his time with the Wolverines and never really made his way back. So what was the deal there? Could they just not find a place for him? Was there something else about him that the coaching staff didn't like? Why didn't he get more involved? And that is a consistent question, I think, in um, in college football about guys who don't have overwhelming stats. Why don't guys dominate the way it feels like they should sometimes? Guys with good physical attributes or at, at good programs, it seems like they should put up big numbers. Nico Collins back at on the wide receiver episode was a little bit like that for Michigan as well. It's it's a tough question to answer and you'd probably have to sit down in a situation where you knew you could get an answer, a straight up honest answer from the guy himself to just be like, what was the deal here? Why didn't you have more passes coming your way? Why weren't you getting more touches here? What What happened? And it's really kind of just unknowable. Because who's going to really say if they had problems with the coaches? Well, you know, it was kind of a me thing. I was kind of a knucklehead. The coaches were right to not play me. Are you ever going to get a straight answer to that? Probably not. I think even in my most honest moments about, you know, work situations where I've been in the wrong, it'd be a tough, tough ask to say, 
you know, why didn't things work out at this job? Why did you, you know, not reach your potential there? It, it's it's tough to say, well, it was, it was my problem. I was, I was not the best employee that I could have been. That is kind of what you're dealing with sometimes with these guys who don't produce at a super high level in college. Maybe there's some of that there with, with Chris Evans. Maybe not. I don't know. The experts, at least one of them, seem to really like him, though. Dane Brugler says, overall, Evans is a prime candidate to be a better pro than college player due to his impact in the passing game, and he projects as a versatile weapon who can line up in the backfield or detached. Generally, I think people are a little bit lower on some Michigan prospects than they probably should be. Maybe this is a situation where Evans is a kind of hidden gem. Maybe there are physical tools or abilities there waiting to be unlocked, but that's kind of what you're looking for in day three. And with the Packers pretty well stocked at running back already, but in need of probably another body or two there, whether it's an undrafted free agent or figuring out what you've got in Patrick Taylor this year, they could use another person to add to the mix. Maybe Chris Evans is that sort of player, either as a, as a day three pick or undrafted free agent. So there's our running backs. Two tiers, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, Deion Jackson, Jared Dokes, and Chris Evans. Packers do need one. They may decide to sit this one out in terms of drafting one and just go for undrafted free agency. That is fine, but there are some good prospects to be had out there. I'm interested to see what your thoughts here. What do you think about linebacker? What do you think about running back? Who do you want to hear more about? We're going to, if I don't get to them on these episodes as we go through and, and do all this, uh, I will have time to to do that prior to the draft. I want to make sure that we get that in, get all of your questions answered uh, prior to the draft itself, and then uh, and then we'll have the draft two weeks from tonight. Um, as I record this, you're listening to it on a Friday at least, uh, but um, it's coming up quickly, and I'm excited to get there. If you enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed our draft series in general, I'd be much obliged to you if you would go ahead and share this with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. That's how we're going to continue to grow this podcast, this conversation we're having about the Packers. And ultimately, it's how we're going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.